This is episode 44 of the Popcast. Hello, welcome to the Popcast, the pop culture podcast from Vernacular. We're your hosts, Maureen and Josh Goldman. Each week, we'll dive into the latest in pop culture with our three regular segments. First, the snack bag, where we cover some smaller stories from the past week. Second, the marquee topic, where we dive in-depth into one pop culture story or event. And third, the teasers, where we give our suggestions for pop culture content you might have missed, but should definitely check out. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back. Maureen, it is May. It's gonna be May. Yeah, that's the uh, NSYNC song. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, so we're officially into May, and we have some follow-up from last week. Two things we talked about last week. The first being this guy on Jeopardy. We said we'd give an update this week. He's En Fuego. His name is James Holtower. He is currently on a 20-game winning streak. He has not lost yet. Maureen and I have actually watched the last two episodes that he's been on. So as of the recording of this podcast, which is May 1st, he has won his 20th straight game, and he has now earned more than $1.5 million in it's just crazy. 20, 20 games. So Maureen, what was your thought about his style? He is so aggressive. He's like a machine. So like the categories are like, you know, Little House on the Prairie, fun facts, and, you know, movie stars who have blonde hair. And he'll be like, blonde, 500. And he won't even say 500. Blonde, five. Like, he elim- he eliminates extra syllables even in talking. It's amazing the amount of stuff he just knows. Do you think that's part of his strategy to go so quickly that the other contestants can't really catch on to what category? Because we were watching. No, I think he's going that fast because he just wants to get through the whole board to win as much money as possible. Well, yes, but the game will finish eventually. It's not like he has to rush through it. But my thought is maybe, you know, when we're watching, even I have trouble keeping up with what category we're in. And I'm not nearly as smart. But sometimes they don't get all the categories. Like, sometimes the round will end and there will still be things on the board. That's true. You want to make sure he gets everything. He wants to make sure they go through the entire board. So he really does go for all of the high dollar amounts first. And he usually gets a lot of them. And then he finds almost every daily double and he bets a lot of money. And I, and to Maureen's point, he's just really smart. Yeah, well, we were talking because Josh, he's a, we mentioned, I think, on last episode, he's a gambler. Like he's a professional a, sports gambler. So he has a very high tolerance for risk, which gets him only so far. He also has to get the answers right, which he does. So like it's a lethal combination. He's very he's willing to take high risks. But he's smart enough to get them right, so he gets the high reward. It's crazy. It's fun to watch him play, but it's it's almost, like, sad for the other people who just, like, keep pushing their buzzers. Last night, there was someone named Jason on there. He just kept pushing the buzz, pushing it. And even though he was pushing it, like, as fast as his little thumb would go, he just never never got there first. Yeah, there's there's this little trick about the buzzer, if you've done any research into the Jeopardy game, that if you click the buzzer too early before the before it opens up for someone to answer, it will freeze you out for half a second, which doesn't seem like a lot, but when someone else is clicking at the right moment, it might freeze you out. And this poor guy, Jason, I feel like he must have been clicking early because he was so aggressively Well, clicking. he like knew the answer and he couldn't get picked. But the thing that I've read about Jeopardy is that most people know the answers to most of the questions. So I know really the is... answers to mm, like one or two of the questions. Well, that's why we're not on the show. Yeah. But the people who are on the show seem to know. And the real trick is getting the buzzer in on time and being the first one to, to chime in. So we will keep watching him. I find him really entertaining. I hope he keeps going because it's fun for Jeopardy to have someone on a streak. I did read that it's watched by almost 10 million people a night, 
just regularly, and it's gone up from that. I would never have guessed it was that much. Who watches Jeopardy that My much? grandpa used to watch Wheel of Fortune every night. Like, Wheel of Fortune was this thing. It's on right before Jeopardy. And then sometimes we would leave Jeopardy on. But I feel like some people, it's like they have it on every night. But 10 million people? That just seems like a lot of people. Well, we're watching now, and I think we'll keep watching until he loses because he's really fun. I'm just really interested. I think it's a really fun story. Other piece of follow-up from last week. At the end of our teasers, we each predicted how much Avengers Endgame, the final film in this phase of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, would make on its opening weekend. My prediction was $290 million. Maureen's prediction was... 357 million. Didn't I originally say like a billion or something? Maureen originally said something close to a billion, which it did make over a billion dollars worldwide last weekend. See, told ya. And it did make $350 million in the United States. So Maureen was just $7 million off. I was, you know, $60 million off. So Maureen, you did win. We are the champions, my friends. Well, who's we? Me. Me are the champions, okay? <laughs> Me are the champions. So, yes, we, Maureen and I actually did get a chance to see Avengers Endgame. We won't talk about any specific spoilers, but just quickly, Maureen, what did you think of the film overall? Scale of 1 to 10 or or out of 4 stars, what would you give it? I really liked it. I'm trying not to give any spoilers. I, was I really say, you're liked going too it. Slow. It was more emotional than I thought, which I kind of liked. Okay, so I will say that there are some details that, like, scientifically they tried to explain and then contradicted themselves on. So that, for me, was a little bit hard. So how many stars out of four? Didn't you just say, like, out of ten? Okay, you can do your rating we'll out of ten. scale. Okay, out of ten. What, what would you give it? 7.5. Wow, that's it? Okay, I would... There were some inconsistencies, okay? I had a lot of questions walking out of the theater. Here's what I'll say about the movie. It is a really nice capstone to the 21 movies that preceded it. It, It's a really good job of bringing all of the stuff that they built up in the previous movies into this one. And without any spoilers, it has, I think, a satisfying ending. So I encourage you to see it. If you haven't seen the Marvel films, they're all available to watch. And it's just a really fun series of movies to watch. I would give it a 9 Point five out of ten. It may be wow. one of my maybe one of my favorite Marvel movies. Super aggressive. There are some very like breathtaking moments in there where like a bunch of different characters end up coming and together. I, and I have to say that the job done by the directors and the screenwriters to have all of these different characters in one movie and do it in a way that that feels effortless. I mean, it didn't feel like anything was crammed in there. It didn't feel like anybody was, you know clamoring for screen time. And I just feel like that is such an impressive feat that doesn't necessarily feel like that so i think it's definitely worth checking out and if you could see it in theaters it's definitely worth doing that maureen should we move on to our teasers we only have two this week first teaser the 2019 tony nominations have been released and i was looking at the list the other day when it came out i was browsing through it and i thought i don't recognize the names of any of these new musicals i don't recognize really any of the names of the new plays I recognize some of the revivals in musical and plays. And of course, there is a smattering of pretty famous people who've performed on Broadway who are nominated for Best Actor and Best Actress in both musical and straight plays. But the thing that I wanted to ask you about is I didn't realize this maybe until I started reading these, but theater just really isn't that mainstream, like Broadway theater. It is a very niche group of people who get to see these shows. Are you really just realizing this? 
I, I think that in the past, in the past couple of years, we've had some shows that we've, we've either seen or they've been big enough that they've gone But we're they've just gone theater out. people, honey. I understand that, but I'm just saying that it got me thinking, why is there a show that is airing on CBS for something that most of the United States has no connection with? Well, because every once in a while, a show like Hamilton will come along and then everyone in the United States will have a connection with it. And because theater is, Broadway theater is, what I want to say is Broadway theater is highbrow entertainment at, at its best. I mean, like, this is something that costs hundreds of dollars to attend. It's, but it's not highbrow in the way that, like, you know, fine art is sometimes highbrow and that it's, you know, hard for, like, I have a hard time understanding modern art or, like, really connecting to it or different things like that. I don't know. I think that there's a certain price point attached to Broadway, which makes it prohibitive for a lot of people, Hamilton especially. But I also think that the arts are not something that everyone has access to in the same way. I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing that CBS is going to air the Tony Awards and continue to air them, but it just strikes me as, you know, looking at the list of these musicals. I mean, even last year, there was a musical about SpongeBob SquarePants that that was on the Tony Awards. I mean, that is at least a property that people know. And I and in the past, I've been pretty critical, not necessarily on the podcast, but just in general about people taking existing IP and turning it into a musical. And sometimes it works, like in the case of Waitress or The Bridges of Madison County, which are musicals that I really liked and enjoyed. But a lot of the times I feel like it doesn't work. Bridges of Madison County to me is a perfect example because you and I really liked that when we saw it. But we saw it with my brother and sister-in-law. Hi, guys. We know you're listening. And they, I'm pretty sure, straight up hated it and were too nice to tell us in so many terms. Like, I think that it reached maybe theater lovers, but people who were not as into... I don't know. Okay, so Waitress is a better example because it's been on Broadway for three years and people seem to like it, whether or not they like theater or not. I just think that this year, with the exception of the musical Beetlejuice, which is based on an existing property that people have heard of, I've not heard of any of these shows. And I'm someone who follows theater. I'm talking about the ones that have been nominated for Tonys. Mm. I'm excited to watch the Tonys because I like hearing about new things, but I'm just surprised that maybe it was just this season of Broadway where there just wasn't that big scale something that really resonates outside of New York theater. Our second and last snackback topic this week is a sad story. The director, John Singleton, who directed Boys in the Hood, that's probably his most famous film, He was the first black man to be nominated for Best Director at the Academy Awards. He passed away at the age of 51. I'm not intimately familiar with his work. I have not seen Boys in the Hood, but it's on my list of movies that I know I need to watch. But I just think it's so sad that someone passed away so young who had clearly a lot of talent. I'm not really familiar with his work, but when I was asking Josh about this, the fact that he passed away at 51 is really heartbreaking. So it just makes you realize how short life is and to... Make it count. I think that will do it for the snack bag this week. But before we move on to our marquee topic, Maureen, what are we going to do? Let's hear from our sponsor. Do you ever listen to an episode of the Popcast and think, man, I'd love to give podcasting a try. Or maybe you think to yourself, that Josh, he's a hack. I could do my own show about pop culture. I'd want to keep Maureen, though. She's great. Well, I've got good news for you. 
Anchor, the very platform we use for the podcast, is the easiest way to make a podcast. Their platform is super simple to use and gives you everything you need to make your show in one place, either on your phone or on your computer. And the best part? It's completely free to use. They have the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast, and they'll take care of distribution so you can make your voice heard everywhere from Apple Podcasts to Spotify to Google Podcasts and more. You can also make money from your podcast, and get this, there is no minimum listenership required to start making money. So what are you waiting for? Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Okay, back to the show. All right, marquee topic this week. This is a fun one. Get this excited. Is one, this is one that I put on the calendar a couple months ago when I realized that the timing was going to work out. But we are going to look back at the NBC hit comedy friends because I'll be there for you you are just nailing those copyrighted songs this week i thank you thank you that's three great about it that's three i think that's your cap you what can't three ca- uh you sang we are the champions yeah and then and i sang, sang we are the champions same thing no no no. you sang something before that i'm already blanking and we we just recorded it like 10 minutes ago it was something at the beginning I'm was it jeopardy no was it avengers i don't know whatever it was you sang something else already <laughs> that's your third can you and, tell we record this late at night <laughs> th- that's your third and final copyrighted song so we're talking about the the show friends because 15 years ago this week it it ended its run its 10-year run on nbc so just a little background in case you're not familiar with the tv show friends it was created by david crane and marta kaufman it aired on nbc from september 22nd 1994 which was 25 years ago until may 6th 2004 lasted 10 seasons the finale was watched by 52.5 million people. That That is a number that is just like unheard of in this day and age of streaming. So that's pretty amazing. It's the most watched finale in the 2000s. It has an ensemble cast starring Jennifer Aniston, Courtney Cox, Lisa Kudrow, Matt LeBlanc, Matthew Perry, and David Schwimmer. And the show revolves around six friends in their 20s and 30s who live in Manhattan. And fun fact, it was originally titled Six of One, And then it was titled Friends Like Us before they finally settled on just the title Friends. And then just so you know, in case you've never seen it or you're interested in watching it, there are reruns pretty much all the time on TBS. And it's also streaming on Netflix right now, all 10 seasons. Another fun fact here, Maureen, for you, each of the major cast members, so that's the main six cast members, makes $20 million per year still because the show runs in syndication. So the show itself, based on all the money it makes in syndication, makes about a billion dollars. Each of them makes 2% of that, which comes out to $20 million a year. Are you kidding me? And I saw someone write that said, you know, they're making it for doing nothing. But technically, they did a lot for 10 years. It just I mean, means they never have to work again. No, they don't have to. But I think they enjoy working again. Yeah. We're going to talk about their careers following Friends. That was my question, you guys. I actually came up with a question this week. The first thing that I want to talk about, though, is what is your personal history with Friends? Did you watch it when it was on the air? Did, have you watched all of the seasons? So my Friends experience, I was n- I did not watch it originally when it was on the air. Not a single episode? I may have seen one or two episodes. I wasn't really allowed to watch Friends because my mom didn't like that they were all sleeping with each other and I was like my brother and I were kind of young like this I think the final episode aired when I was in like eighth grade or something no incorrect 2004 Maureen you were a senior in high school oh eighth grade how well, old are I you? I remember people talking about it in eighth grade, and I remember me being sure, like, it was I'm on not allowed air. to watch that. If it was finishing when I was in high school, it started when I was eight. Yeah, in elementary so, like, school. Right. So anyway, 
when it started becoming really popular, I just remember my mom being like, everybody's sleeping with each other. Like, I don't really think this is the nicest show. We watched a lot of Saved by the Bell instead. Much more wholesome, I think. Sure. So I never really watched Friends, but I do remember like when those final episodes were coming, it was like Ross and Rachel and will they and won't they? And I was like, I don't really know. In college, when I was a senior, my one of my roommates in my apartment had all 10 seasons. And, and this I, was back when it was on DVD. Yes. So I watched the DVDs like throughout my entire senior year. It was awesome. And you watched the entire series, you think, probably when you were a senior? So all 236 entire, episodes. Over the course of one school year. Yeah. Okay. So that was like the original binge watching was was taking out the DVD and putting it in and watching all the episodes. Yeah. I, I actually watched most of the show that way as well. So my history with Friends was I was a sophomore in high school when the show was wrapping up. And for some reason, I do not know why, it must have been one of my friends who said that they loved Friends. I watched the last two episodes of the entire series live when it aired, having had no previous knowledge of Friends as a show. You like ruined it. I guess so, but it's not, I mean, it's not one of those shows that has like a big twist ending. It's not like the, it's not like Avengers Endgame that you don't want to get spoiled. And at that time, I had no concept that it was this major, major show. So I did watch the final two episodes. I watched the finale live and I was weirdly into it for some reason. But then like Maureen, I watched almost the entire series, I think, probably on DVD afterwards. I started collecting them myself. So I would buy one at a time. And I watched them all that way. And it quickly became one of my favorite shows. I just found it incredibly funny, incredibly touching, and I just really enjoyed it. So the second thing I want to talk about is, do you have a favorite major character? So the main characters are Rachel, Ross, Phoebe, Monica, Chandler, and Joey. So those are the main six. So of those, do you have a favorite character? And has it changed over the years? I certainly do. So I think I like all of them. Phoebe and Joey, to me... In the in the early seasons are delightful, and by the later seasons they're like nails on a chalkboard. Yeah, they, they really just made them like dumb caricatures. It was it was just kind of unfortunate because I didn't I th- thought they could have been a little bit more three dimensional than that. So those two are not my favorite. I like Ross and Rachel, but they're a little grating as well. When it's like the like Ross is so terrible at relationships. I mean, like I just can't. So Chandler and Monica are definitely my two favorites. I think. I have been told by multiple people that I am most like Monica. I'm going to take that as a compliment. But I think my favorite character is Chandler. And that is because he has just some of the funniest lines and some of the funniest plots. Like Monica's a little bit of a straight man in this show. I think she has to like play the like, you know, responsible mom figure a lot. And that likely hits too close to home for me. So I like Chandler's goofiness. I mean, his comedic delivery oh hey chandler when you see frankie tell him joey tribbiani says hello he'll know what it means <laughs> you sure he's gonna be able to crack that code you know what's sadder than this bambi i cried for three days with that movie bambi is a cartoon you didn't cry when bambi's mother died yes it was very sad when the guy stopped drawing the deer chandler i think is my favorite i was gonna say chandler as well i think he is just so quippy and matthew perry's comedic timing as you mentioned is just really spot on and he evolves like his character evolves yeah that's a good point you feel him growing at the same time he's still funny but like he goes from like goofy like dating around like not you know bachelor to like married and you know, having kids and I don't know. I just think he had a really nice arc. I used to think that Ross was my favorite character. 
and there he has his moments and my favorite episode it's that we actually you're most like Ross, I am probably most like Ross. <laughs> the my favorite episode one of my favorite episodes in the whole series is one we talked about when we when we did the discussion about the friends thanksgiving episodes but it's the one where it's titled the one where Chandler doesn't like dogs and Ross in that episode where he's trying to name all 50 states. I don't know why when I first saw that that episode that I thought it was so funny, but to this day, I find it really humorous. But my, you know, as I've rewatched the show some and watched reruns, Chandler stands out as definitely the funniest character. So do you have a favorite minor character? There were so many, so many, so good, many good guest stars throughout the entire series. I'll give you mine first. Okay. And it just came to me. I had a different one, but now I'm going to go with this one. My favorite minor character didn't come till the later seasons, but you were mentioning Phoebe and how she sort of became a, a caricature. But one of the characters that I really liked was the person who ended up playing her husband on the show, which was Paul, Paul Rudd. Rudd. And it's just so funny. Paul Rudd played a character named Mike. And the way that he's introduced in the show is that Joey says he will set Phoebe up on a date with his friend Mike, but he doesn't have a friend named Mike. So he goes into the coffee shop and he says, uh, Mike. And Paul Rudd turns around and he's like, I'm Mike. And that's how their relationship starts. It's just such a funny way for their, you know, their ultimate marriage to begin. And I just find him a really humorous actor. Maybe it's just because we just saw him in Avengers. I feel like he's had the best career of anybody who's appeared in Friends, like who wasn't already super famous, like not Brad Pitt or, or Bruce Willis or anything like that, but someone who you didn't really know ahead of time, who'd only been in some smaller things and then has propelled from there. So he would be my pick for favorite minor character. I have so many. First and foremost, there's Janice, which... But is she your favorite or no, is she no, just I'm the most just memorable? I'm going through. I'm okay, just some, going of the, through, some of the yeah. bigger ones. And of course, Gunther. No, he's not even <laughs> worth it. He doesn't do anything. He's just like there. He's he does like, love Rachel though. Yeah, he's not my favorite. Okay, who else? Janice I think is hilarious. Richard's son, when he comes in as a hot doctor, I really like him. Brad Pitt's cameo, which we've talked about before. Both of Rachel's sisters, Reese Witherspoon and Christina Applegate, I think those were kind of fun minor characters. Yeah, and fun fact about the guy who plays Richard's son, he was on Alias. Like, he had a big role on Alias. He's also in Never Been Kissed. Okay, I've never seen that movie. With Drew What? Okay, we're going to do a chick flick episode. Okay, we can do that. I really want to do that. Okay. And you have to watch them all with me. Okay. Well, Josh has never seen The Notebook. Got I haven't it. seen the whole Notebook. Okay. Okay. All right, go. let's go I'm back to Friends. Back. Okay, so minor characters. I think you also like can't overlook Ross and Monica's parents. I think the Gellers are something really hilarious. Okay, you got to pick one favorite know, minor honey, character. I'm You're just, just going thinking. through so I'm many. Thinking, I'm just making everyone listening smile as they think about all these amazing characters. Okay, I'm going to pick... <laughs> I What's Carol's wife's name? I don't remember. Oh, yeah. I don't remember either. But she's hilarious. She's really Susan. Funny. Oh, Susan. Susan. Yeah. I'm going to pick Susan because Susan, the Susan and Ross dynamic. So Ross's wife realizes she's a lesbian. She gets married to Susan. So Susan and Carol are the moms and Ross is the biological father. And Susan and Ross just have this really competitive, funny dynamic. And I like her a lot. Yeah. Whatever happened to them in the later seasons, they just sort of disappear. And Ross's son. Yeah, I was going to pick Ross's son just for the sheer irony of the fact that like he just get, never is there. Do you think the show holds up today or do you think it's problematic? My I thought I don't think the show held up then. The fact that six people like only really have each other in the world because okay. we've talked about as like a sitcom I don't premise. I don't I don't necessarily mean that. I don't, I, I think that that you just have to suspend your disbelief to watch any type of TV show. My, I'm more thinking about the fact that they have no friends who aren't white 
I mean, they're living in New York City. Are there any minorities? Joey dates someone in season nine, and then Ross dates oh, her yeah. in season 10. She's beautiful. Charlie. But, you know, other than that, I can't remember a major character who is a person of color. That certainly doesn't hold up well today, especially in a city like New York. I mean, it's like one of the most diverse cities in the world. The other thing I was going to say about the show is that the way that it treats, like, the dynamic of relationships is a little dated. You know, there are certainly things that are not PC and probably weren't then, but were more acceptable for TV. Definitely jokes about, like, the LGBT community and, you know, things like that, that probably doesn't hold up as well. And it's it's a little bit misogynistic when you think about the relationships that the characters have. And I will say that the female characters have a lot of things to do. They're not just sort of like wallflowers. But at the same time, I feel like, like the character of Joey is just this sort of like misogynistic guy. I mean, he does have some deeper moments, but like his his whole thing yeah. is is like, how many women can I sleep with? That That in this day and age, you wouldn't see that in a sitcom. I mean, I think the show does hold up in the sense that it's still really funny. Like the jokes yeah. are not super dated. There are some references to technology, like Chandler gets a new computer at one point and he starts talking about all the specifications and you're like, wow, that is so old. But other than the that, that type of thing, I think the humor holds up really well. I think it's still really funny even today, 15 yeah, years later. I agree. And the whole like will they, won't they thing, I think that, you know, we still see a lot of that in modern television and movies as well as real life. I think How I Met Your Mother is another series I think about as one that kind of could maybe hold a candle to friends. I don't think it's as iconic, but it's as high quality in my opinion. And they have a lot of like, will they, won't they? Well, that was that's interesting that you bring that up because the next question that I want to ask is, you know, like, would certain shows exist without the existence of friends? And I think that How I Met Your Mother is probably the best example of a show that probably would not be successful if it weren't for the model of friends. I mean, the idea of a group of people living together in a city, having a spot that they hang out with, and then their relationships with each other, I think was really established in the comedy scene by friends. And, and maybe like Cheers right before well, that. Well, that's what I was going to say. I would be really interested to see what came before friends, because I guarantee there's lots of shows that we just didn't watch. Because we were too young or they were before our time. Like things like Cheers. Everybody knows your name. You all go to the same bar. There's a lot that like impacted where friends came from. Sure, that's true. But in terms of this dynamic of a group of people hanging out in a, in a, in a single place and all of their like tribulations and trials together, I think you can probably... Okay, if we look forward after Friends... Is there one besides How I Met Your Mother that had as successful as a run? The Big doing Bang the- Theory. Okay. Which yeah. we don't watch, but... but... Yeah, I guess you're right. That's a similar thing. They're not that many. It's it's a hard thing to do well. Usually you get to like six seasons, and then you kind of peter out. Yeah, that's true. And Friends lasted for 10. Big Bang Theory lasted for more than 10. How I Met Your Mother was at nine. I think that it's a hard genre to do. I think it looks easy, but you have to have the chemistry among the actors, mm-hmm. and you have to have the quality of writing and the humor to sustain a show like New that. New Girl? Yeah, doesn't quite hold a candle to these other ones. I mean, even we don't watch Big Bang Theory, but like the success of New Girl doesn't even compare to Big Bang Theory. And it certainly doesn't compare in terms of quality or... But you do get a group of friends hanging out in one spot and their trials and tribulations. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I just don't think it was as as successful. I mean, another one that we liked a lot was called Happy Endings, but 
it wasn't that successful. Unfortunately, it was probably the funniest of all of these, in my opinion. No, it was so unrealistic. Yeah, but aren't all of these unrealistic? Not as unrealistic as that one was. Okay. So where does this rank for you? Is this the best comedy of all time? Yeah, I, might, I would probably say it is. It's. I also really loved How I Met Your Mother. I watched that one live. But that's totally different to me than Friends. I don't know why. I think Friends had a really sustainable 10 season run. Like there, there are dud episodes here and there, but every season is relatively strong. I would say that I like shows like Parks and Rec more than Friends overall. And that's just because they are structured a little bit differently. Like Friends is a, you know, multi-camera sitcom in front of a studio audience and Parks and Rec is not. It's a single camera sitcom. I just think that there is more cleverness and humor in a show like Parks and Rec than there is in Friends. I was just thinking, as I was trying to think if there's something I like better than Friends, if you had to ask me to rewatch something, right? Like I already watched Parks and Rec. I already watched Friends. I already watched How I Met Your Mother. If I had to pick something to rewatch or to have on in the background, I would almost always pick Friends because it's easy to pick. It's it's not something where you have to remember exactly what happened in the previous episode. And it's so familiar. They feel like they are your friends. Like there is something about, there's the magic of this show to me is that it's like, so relatable to many different people at many different phases of my life. Like I find it real. I don't know. I, I would almost always want to rewatch friends rather than picking another random show. That's a good point. It's really easy to watch when it's on and not in a row. Yeah. Like I would just, you can oh. just pick up in any random episode yeah. and, and enjoy it. That's a good point. I don't know if I would call it the best comedy of all time, but it's definitely up there. I don't know. There are a lot of good comedies, but friends, I think the model that friends set, you know, helped establish some of these other shows and pave the way for ensemble comedy shows without a true lead. The last thing I want to talk about, and this was Maureen's question, just for let the, let the record state, who of the six main characters has had the most successful <laughs> career and who has had the least Where successful they now? career? I think the most successful is pretty obvious. I mean, it's Jennifer really- Jennifer Aniston. Yeah, she's really the only one who stayed pretty solidly in the public consciousness in the last 15 years. I think that they all- attempted to do other things but i don't know if anybody was as successful Joey's the worst well matt leblanc has had a couple shows that were he, awful well he was on a show called man with a plan which i think is still on which is like a, a like a home improvement style show but he was also on a show on showtime i think that was pretty successful where I he played sort of a one. where he played a, an exaggerated version of his real life self and i think that's what made that show really mm. successful i think that David Schwimmer has done some interesting things. He's moved more into directing and he's done a lot of voice work. He was the voice of the giraffe in, what was that movie? Madagascar? Mm. Is that what that's called? Yeah. Yeah. So he's done some interesting work. Courtney Cox, I'm not really sure what she's been up to. So she was on a show and she's had some oh, right. really Cougar bad Town. plastic surgery. Oh. I just, I just feel like Courtney Cox makes me a little sad because I like look at her and I'm like, whoa, what happened? I think Lisa Kudra has done a couple things as well, but I think that most of these people are always going to be most known for their role on Friends, with the exception of Jennifer Aniston. She'll always be known as Rachel, but she's done the biggest body of work, I think. What about our fave Chandler? Yeah, Matthew Perry's had a weird career too. He had another show that was on for like one season, but that one didn't last. I just feel like he had a lot of problems when he was on the show, like personal problems. And I'm not sure he's ever really found anything to, to latch onto after after Friends finished. If you've never seen it, it's definitely worth checking out. 
some episodes on Netflix if you have that. And it's crazy to think that it's been 15 years since it ended. Yeah. And it's been 25 years since it premiered. It really was like a cultural phenomenon. Should we move on to teasers? Let's do it. My teaser this week is a really simple one. It's 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 funny to me that this is like one of my teasers because I've never been a fan of this group before, but the Jonas Brothers have reunited and they released a song called Cool. And the song is just really catchy. It's like a great summer song. I comb my hair like an old school scene. I feel high like a late night summer in last year. It's brand new. It's just came out in the last like month or two, and it's just really fun. So that is my teaser for this week. Check out the whole song. Maureen, what is your teaser? My teaser is an article that I recently read on Vox.com, and it's titled, The Best $5,929.10 I Ever Spent, Moving Back to the Midwest. It's by an author named Nicole Deeker, and the article is basically very interesting. She grew up in a very small town with like 2,500 people. She basically talks about how she wanted to move to the New York version of Felicity and Friends, and she wanted to live in a loft, and she wanted to go to a coffee shop where everyone knew her name, and she wanted to be able to like walk or ride or bike to work, and she'd have an interesting job in writing, and then she'd go rehearse with a theater or musical group. And so like this is what she built her life around, and she moved to a lot of different big cities on the East and the West Coast. And she talks about how she ultimately decided to move back to a very – not a very small town, a medium-sized city in the Midwest, and how she's never been happier. And the end result is that, like, she has a better quality of life, lower cost of living, and she lives in a loft-style apartment. And everyone in the coffee shop downstairs actually does know her name and, like, welcomes her. She's been been involved in a community theater group, and there's surprisingly great transportation. And now she's around family, and she still is a writer. It was just very interesting, I think, a lot of us feel that, like, I need to move away from home. I need to spread my wings. And as someone who went away for a little while and studied and ended up coming back myself, there's something to be said for being close to family and having roots and, and that type of community. And I don't think the only way to find that is in a big city. So this article was very interesting. We'll link the whole article in the show notes in case you want to read it as well. I think that will do it for this week. Maureen, thanks for a great episode. Josh, thanks for a great episode. You can leave us feedback, comments, or questions on each episode by going to vernacularpodcast.com slash popcast. We would love to hear from you and would especially love to hear what you want to hear about on the show. You can also reach us by emailing thepopcast at vernacularpodcast.com. Please also subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. We put out a new one every Friday, and if it's not too much trouble, please drop us a rating or a review. It helps other people find our show. We'll be back next week, as always, sitting cross-legged on our bedroom floor with a brand new episode. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> you guys, Josh is gesticulating wildly right now. His arms are out. He's like, what, what have you done? Tell me about friends.